Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Andre, the It's professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. At this time, I would like to introduce... Welcome to the shoot, Carol, baby. Today is the beginning of the shoot era of GP. The only way to have fun is to take the gloves off. Screw it. If I offend them, oh well. What I am going to do is call it down the line every single week. I love wrestling. So damn it, I am not giving up the podcast. Hell no, I'm doubling down and going the other way. Oh my goodness. Bring it on. Welcome to the shoot, Arrow Baby. Another week, another edition of Cheap Heat. Another week where a lot is going on in the world of professional wrestling. And I've been talking about this a lot. I'm very excited about it and what it means to have TV coming back to Madison Square Garden this Monday and Tuesday. Now, as the last time I checked, there was only a couple of tickets left for Monday, a few tickets left for Tuesday, SmackDown, one man who you will be able to see at Madison Square Garden, who we happen to have been talking about a lot on the show recently, is none other than Matt Hardy. Matt, welcome to Cheap Heat. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I am uh, just hanging out here at the Hardy Compound, getting ready to uh, weather the uh, storm of Hurricane Dorian. Yeah, yeah. What what preparation was needed here, and what are you seeing so far? We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. What's it looking like? Okay. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, as of Thursday afternoon, I can say yesterday evening, my uh, TLC and ladder experience came into effect and uh, turned out to be worth something. I had to climb up and out my house, and I cleaned out all the gutters just because we're like an extremely heavy uh, uh, batch of rainfall coming. So I wanted to make sure all my gutters were clean so we uh, push everything out. Because last year, almost about a year ago at this time, I had had something when I built in addition to my house. Uh, one of our pipes was like uh, was like uh, was uh, full underneath the ground. And actually, the water got backed up in my basement leak because there was such heavy rainfall. So we're hoping to avoid that. We also we have a new system now. This year and everything's good and safe. And then my gutters were clean with my TLC experience. There you go. Should be good, I think. I have to tell you, I would pop really hard. I know that the compound is sort of uh, secluded, but I got to tell you how big I would pop if I was like your neighbor and saw Matt Hardy just climbing a ladder for any sort of purpose. Would be very, very exciting. Maybe disappointing when you just clean the gutters and don't jump off, but still. Yes, I, uh, I actually got my wife to document a lot of a lot of the footage. I think there's going to be a uh, a brand new. You don't understand how hard it is to be Matt Hardy video. <laughs> All right. Well, sticking in line with that. So this is unplanned, and I I didn't ask you in advance about asking you about this. Um, but knowing you, I imagine it will be cool. Um, so just coincidentally. I have been over the last month or two, I randomly ended up in a, a foxhole in, in 2005 on the WWE Network. And what I've been watching is your return 
to WWE at that time. Um, I'm trying to pinpoint when around 2005 into 2006, I feel like things changed a little bit. Because in this era, in 2005, there's still a lot of hints of the Attitude Era. Like, you can still feel a certain energy that just is different and and from now, yesteryear. So, do you mind if I just ask you a little bit about your return in 2005? No, no, no. So... Matt, I got to tell you, I, and I, I've, I've seen you around when I've been working with WWE, but we've never really talked about it extensively. I am fascinated by your run with Edge that you guys had and the Lita storyline, because to me, it embodies the fascination that so many of us have with pro wrestling. The idea of such a real life circumstance that is so emotional being part of a storyline is what's so fascinating about this business and the way you and Edge were both able to handle it and have these realistic, hard-hitting matches play out to me is just unbelievable. So can you just t- take me through where you were mentally and emotionally when you came back and, and started doing those run-ins where you're coming out of the crowd and attacking Edge? Take us through where you were at that point. I mean, even when I when I first started talking about that, I think it was a big life lesson. Uh, it, for me, it's when I first started learning to like separate uh, personal life from professional life. You know, I, I have an extremely comfortable separation between the two. Uh, it, I mean, it, at first it was uh, intense. It was a little bit strange, a little bit uncomfortable. But like, we were all on the same page. Everybody was okay. Uh, you know, just everybody had to keep their emotions in check. And as long as we did that, everything was going to be good. And I think as time went on, it, it got a little easier and it got better. And I think the most fascinating period, the, the most fascinating thing about the period, that, that period of my career was, like you were saying, fans couldn't really tell where the line of separation between what's real and, and what's not real, where, where that line lies. And, and that, that's the most important thing about professional wrestling, especially in this day and age, in 2019, you need to like blur the line enough so you're not sure like what is real and what is scripted. So, did you have a conversation at that point um, with Edge about the fact that like this is going to have to look and feel a certain level of stiff and like those attacks that you had on him, and then the SummerSlam match you guys had. Um, leading up to then the, the cage match that you have at Unforgiven. But that first, um, that first match at SummerSlam was incredibly aggressive. So do you have a conversation and, and everyone's aware that this is going to be pretty stiff stuff? Yes, we, we were both aware of that and we were both, you know, we were both down for it. And, and I almost felt bad for him because he'd been on the road the whole while and his body was like, you know, war battered and he was beat up and, and injured. I'd been off for eight months. So I was very healthy. So I almost felt bad for him in some capacity because I know I was definitely physically in the better shape of the two of us. But yeah, I mean, we, we both knew this had to look a certain way for people to buy into it. So. And, and what happened at the end of that match at SummerSlam? It ends in such bizarre fashion where the ref just stops the match. What, what did you actually suffer there at the end of that match? What, what did I suffer? Yeah. Cause didn't the first match end? Um, yeah. Th- the first match ends with just the ref stopping it. Yeah, I, the, the first match was just meant to like carry us on to something else, and it was kind of like a fluke thing where he dropped me onto the post and uh, I split my head open. And, and the, the whole appearance of that fight, it wasn't supposed to be long. It was supposed to be short, almost like uh, emulating a UFC fight where it was just like, you know, go all out, mm-hmm. 
beat the hell out of each other, and then you know, then we kind of have a fluke finish. That was kind of the, the the whole mindset behind that. And then gives you more time to let it play out as time goes on. Were you cool with how the entire story played out? Uh, it, it was yeah. I mean, it was okay. There, there's things I would have probably done a little differently, but it was okay. I mean, I think the the big blow off of having the cage match where I did the leg drop off the cage and, and beat him and finally got my comeuppance. I thought, I thought that was a, a great blow off, even though we did have the other match later, which was the ladder match. And that was just to put us on two separate brands. So because that's when things were starting to be serious. They were going to try to be serious with like holding talents exclusive to brands again. So how, how are you feeling right now? Where is Matt Hardy in 2019 physically? Uh, I feel good. Uh, Matt Hardy's going to, to get to work and, and kick some ass. You know, I'm just, waiting you know I'm, I'm not a player that wants to sit on the bench and i don't want to be on the bench i have a you know i have a few years left to do this and i want to be a, a, a contributor and i want to do something important and i want to try and entertain people and make money that's what i want to do um and tell me a little bit about being back at madison square garden specifically do you have a number one memory in your career from the garden uh, I had a lot of cool memories at the Garden. Uh, one was when tag team wrestling was real hot, you know, due to you know the the work that myself and Edge and Christian, myself and my brother Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, everybody put in. There was one time when we main evented MSG, which was a very cool memory for me. Uh, we had a four way tag, if I'm not mistaken. I think the four teams were the Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, and the Acolytes. Mm. Who may have been in there too, but but it was a four way, and we main evented in Madison Square Garden, which was very cool. Probably my biggest memory that stands out to me about Madison Square Garden is Royal Rumble 2000 and that tables match. Mm. Just because that was a that that was a big match for us, and that was the match that kind of like after that happened on top of the ladder match, it was kind of like the uh, the, the beginning and the catalyst for the TLC matches. Is there one particular thing left in in Matt Hardy's relationship with the WWE Universe that you really would love to have happen before you hang up the boots? I, I don't think there's, there's really one more thing. I mean, I, I guess maybe the one more thing I would like to do, I would like to finish out my run in WWE as Broken Matt Hardy. I mean, I, I think there is a lot of money in Broken Matt Hardy. I think it's different. I think it's very 2019. I think a great example of that right now is the Firefly Funhouse with Bray. Are you enjoying that? Are you enjoying what Bray's doing with The Fiend? Uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I think he's an extremely intelligent, creative, uh, think outside the box type guy. I mean, that's why we became such great friends whenever we came. I mean, I, I think he's brilliant in a lot of the little things he does. And, and just what he's doing right now is truly masterful. And for the, the diehard audience, he's really dialed in on them. And, and now there's such a good separation between, like, entertaining Firefly Funhouse Bray and then the Fiend Bray. You know, he knows how to, like, have the duality of those two. And I, I'm very intrigued and also uh, super entertained by the duality he has between the two, two personas. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, Matt, I'm happy you're back. We're excited about seeing you at Madison Square Garden and uh, generally just grateful for how much you've given to uh, to this business. So thanks for making some time to talk, and I'll see you on Monday. You got it. We'll see you there. And also, I just wanted to say, I wanted to throw this in there. I think it's very cool that on Monday, Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to be there. On Tuesday, Undertaker is going to be there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, once again, I am uh, I am raring to go. I'm ready to, to get back in the game and, and make something happen in the WWE Universe. And I hope it starts at Madison Square Garden. Very excited you're going to be there. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. That is Matt Hardy, and you will be able to see him uh, this coming week at Madison Square Garden. And as he said, 
Stone Cold Steve Austin on Monday, The Undertaker on Tuesday. It's going to be an absolutely crazy couple of days for WWE fans. Also, it's a crazy weekend for UFC fans and MMA fans. Um, Habib is back, all right? Khabib is going to be back this weekend. UFC 242 plus big news around Cyborg signing with Bellator. Check out my man, 50 grand. A top five Canadian of all time, in my opinion. That's Ariel Helwani. All right, his MMA show and his MMA reporters podcast. You can find them wherever you find your podcasts. And of course, big shout out to Vivid Seats. If you don't know about Vivid Seats, you have to because football season's coming up. There's so many events. Wherever it is you're trying to find tickets to, whatever event it may be, Vivid Seats is the way to do it. They help fans find the seats to all your favorite events, sports, concerts, theater, whatever. Just get the Vivid Seats app. They offer amazing prices, um, a super easy purchasing experience, uh, reward status, so many ways to do it. If you're trying to find tickets, this is the way to do it. All Vivid Seats orders are confirmed uh, and backed by 100% guarantee. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. You will automatically be enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program and enjoy double credit uh, very, very often. Okay, so hurry up, go get the Vivid Seats app and get the tickets to the events you want to go to. Now, what I'm going to do is bring in, welcome in a man, who is physically large, okay? I like a delicious chicken. That's right. He is um, physically strong. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I have Shaw in top 10. It's professional wrestling. He says so many important things. Thanks for nothing, Shaq. Hulk Hogan is the Sugar Hill Gang, right? And Bret Hart is Rakim. Oh, my God. Without any further ado, you know you know who this man is already. He's the, the king of the black power rankings. Um, he's, a, he's half of... The, the shoot era. Shout out Stat Guy Greg. That's right. Stat Guy Greg. Welcome to the shoot arrow, baby. And we welcome in Stat Guy Greg. Welcome to the shoot arrow. Oh, yeah. He's here again. SGG is back. Now, um, we just shout out to Matt Hardy. Um, yeah, I, I, I was not sure. So it had not been announced previously that he's coming back, right? No. So not that I'd heard. So that's a mini get. A nice scoop. I like I like scoops. There's a little bit of a scoop there. Um and I just was fascinated with the fact that he said that he felt bad for Edge because Edge had so much on had been in the ring so much and I just again it just speaks to how incredible I find that whole situation that not only are you able to work with the guy but you feel bad Still for Still so professional. <laughs> Still so professional and worried about you know, making sure that he's healthy and that he doesn't really, you know, injure him on the way throughout the feud. Yeah, I think that's pretty amazing. It's, it's, it sums up what I find fascinating, uh, about this business. And it also sounds like, you know, it was interesting to hear his praise of, uh, Bray Wyatt and the, the Fiend character and the Firefly Funhouse. Not surprising that he likes that. Um, not surprising that he wants broken Matt Hardy to, to make a return. You think he'll be broken when he returns on? On Monday? I hope so. And and if not, then, you know, the Fiend might have to show up and break him because the Fiend needs a feud. So, I mean, Bray feuding with all these guys with these alter egos, like, just send them right down the line. I wish that – they have really not ever – have they teased back to the Edge Matt Hardy thing at all over the years? Nah, not that I, not that I can recall. Because, like, I just think it would be so cool if Edge was on a show – 
and then you heard the Matt Hardy music hit and Matt Hardy came out. You know, even if, of course, they end up not, you know, they're obviously not going to fight. But I think that would be very, very cool. Now, if they did that, though, do you think people would take it in the way we're thinking about it? Or would they think about it in terms of, you know, these are two singles competitors from these two legendary tag teams that had a great feud? You know what? People might just think about that first. You know, it, it, it works on two levels in that regard, actually. Um, it does work on two levels in that regard. So, um, anyways, SGG, what's going on outside the ring? So, I mean, we have to talk about this. First of all, congratulations to Chris Jericho. He won the AEW championship as uh, we predicted, but I mean, that's like predicting that the sun will rise. And then um, he immediately turned it into the 24-7 championship. I mean, the title has only been active not even a week, and it changed hands four times just about. Uh, went to Chris Jericho, and then Chris Jericho went to a Longhorn Steakhouse and lost the AEW championship. Which, Which, you know, I want to make fun of. Especially, it's perfect after last week, our conversation about Jericho. I want to make fun of Jericho for that. But at the same time, it has proven to be hilarious and actually kind of good press. Very hilarious. And, And does it really matter? Like, as a heel, does it matter that he was drunk at the Longhorn Steakhouse? What's it called? Yeah, that's exactly what it's called, Longhorn Steakhouse. Like, does it really matter as a as a heel that that happened? Like, if you were a babyface and it's like you got drunk at a you know average restaurant and lost the title at the airport, it's like kind of pathetic. But as a heel, I don't know if it's bad. Well, if I'm Cracker Barrel though, I'm at least a little bit pissed. Like, well, that's what I said. I tweeted that and say, can we at least stay on brand? Yeah, can we at least keep it with the sponsorship? So, but besides that, um, pretty hilarious. I mean, he must have been having a great time. Had to. Had to. Like, how do you not know where your new championship is? I did enjoy in the video that he put out that he said he's launching a worldwide investigation. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Also, shout out to our listener who, like... Five minutes after it happened, sent sent this to me. I mean, it was literally moments after it aired, maybe ten minutes later, sent me this audio. Mail. The good news is this poor schlub is going to get it. Oh, this one's one of my favorites. This one's one of my favorites. Come on, Shinsuke. Come on, Shinsuke. Oh my goodness. You know, it's too bad that uh, Sami Zayn was yelling over. Adam, uh, Corey Graves shading me that way, saying that the schlub jobber was now going to go back to his job at Hot 97. Fighting words. Those are fighting words. Um, very, very subtle, but I found it very, very entertaining. Now, that being said, I may have to fight Corey Graves. Yeah, he bought it on himself. You know, and you guys, if you if you're on the Internet, you saw what I did to those kids who went after Cardi B. So you can imagine what I could do to Corey Graves. Yeah, PMD ain't nothing to mess with. You know, these cats don't want this. So, but shout out to um Brandon who sent that audio over right when it happened. 
Um, Bo Jones sent us an email too. He said, "Dear Peter and Greg the Statman Hart, according to some reports in the IWC, so take it with a grain of salt. HBK's lazy eye started from a bump versus Kane at Unforgiven in 03 or 04 and progressively got worse over time with more bumps." That's from Bo. To go back to I'll what have to go back and watch that match because I mean, like, it's. And you know, I have to I have to clear the air on this. Last week when I said that, I know I do not deserve the benefit of the doubt on this one. Nine ninety nine times out of a hundred, if I say the letters HBK, it is going to be followed by slander. That's the thing. <laughs> ninety nine times out of a hundred, yep. if I mention Shawn Michaels, it is going to be in a slanderous disrespectful manner but in this one instant i was genuinely concerned about not even concerned but just curious about when it happened because you know despite how i feel about Shawn michaels and his career and where he ranks on the greatest of all time the one thing that no one including me can take away from him is that he's a good looking dude yeah, he's a handsome guy. He is. He is a handsome guy, and so I mean, he was certainly. When you notice those, cha- <laughs> now see. <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. But when you notice those changes like that, you, I just, I just couldn't help but wonder, like, what happened, and it had to be a result of an injury. So I just was, what was curious about when it happened. But I'd have to go back and look at the match and see if I can identify it. While I'm in the email, another quick me- uh, email here from uh, Michael Pfeffer. Who says, uh, hey, sweeter Peter and Stat Statterson. The Judas effect is dumb. We get it. You're leeching onto Omega to stay relevant and want to be like him. Just do a new submission if you don't want to jump on your back 30 times a match in AEW because finishers don't matter there. I hope Greg hates on this. <laughs> I hope Greg hates on this heavily to make me smile. Please hate as heavy as you're breathing into the mic, Staddy. Take it easy, man. Mike P in Durham. The Judas so, the Judas effect is his dumb punch. That back elbow. I, I it, it reminds me of the, the the Cena finish. It the Judas effect makes Jericho look like he just saw Bloodsport or some Kung Fu movie for the yes. first time and yes. thought, I can do that. And then he does it and then it's like, No, you cannot do that. Uh, it doesn't it, I, I don't get it. And the thing is you know, I have to admit, I have not watched All Out. I was away this weekend, and I just honestly haven't. I don't know if it was after Mox. It was probably Moxley being gone, but I just didn't care enough to watch All Out yet. Um, you know, after 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 really checking in for the last three pay-per-views. So I haven't watched it, but I know that he won yes. with the Judas Effect yes. after hitting many code breakers. And it's just like I don't get it. You really think the Judas effect is better than a code breaker? Not I mean, listen, Andrade does a beautiful back elbow that is basically the Judas effect but an effective version of the Judas effect. And uh yeah, no, the Judas effect as done by Chris Jericho is not uh yeah, it's not the best. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. His general in-ring right now, don't get me wrong, he's still Chris Jericho, so he can still work. But he just physically looks slower and more plodding. And as a result, 
even that move just doesn't have it just doesn't have you know it exactly the je, je ne sais quoi you know so I, I don't get it uh, you know one thing I, I'm very confused about with AEW are the finishes uh, in general now what are what are people saying about All Out in general so All Out has has been well received um, just across the board um, by everybody I know there were some matches that people thought were spectacular and it was the matches that we would expect um, you know the Young Bucks tag team match uh, Kenny Omega Pac match um, I didn't hear anything too much about the rest of the card. I do know that All Out did get some heavy, heavy competition from NXT UK, which I, I hadn't watched that either. Uh, TakeOver Cardiff. You know, but um, it's good to hear that we got a good weekend of wrestling because I know Raw and SmackDown, I did watch those and those were were stellar. You enjoyed Raw and SmackDown? I did. Um, I liked SmackDown. Did I like Raw? Raw was cool. It was cool. I didn't love Raw. I think I liked SmackDown better than Raw. I'm glad you said that you liked SmackDown, though, because, you know, with the Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan, Roman Reigns thing to end it, you know, they ha- you have to end on an exclamation point, and that, they don't always stick the landing, and so sometimes that causes people to go back and say that the whole episode was trash or, like, throw the whole baby away, but... That was a really good episode of SmackDown. So I haven't watched the UK takeover yet, even though I heard great things about it. Um, and also I saw that an interview that he did with a young up and coming wrestling journalist over there beforehand, Triple H buried the idea of Enzo and Kaz coming back. Which I'm torn on. I don't love that he just killed the rumor because there's no need for him to do that. But also it's just like, if that's how they feel about Enzo and Cass, it's better to just put that to bed than let them ride out. And wouldn't it be fun if he was still working? Yeah. It yeah, would, it would. It would, make, it would certainly make it more fun if Enzo and Cass then came back. Because they, they really do make sense on NXT. I mean, they, they do. With NXT on TV, you certainly wouldn't be surprised if Vince said, what's up with Enzo? What's up with Enzo? We don't want to use him? You know? Yeah, the problem with Enzo to NXT, Enzo and Cass to NXT. Is the level of wrestling it's at now? Yeah. I mean, in the early years, they did, they definitely had like a handful of people who were, you could count on to put on a great match. But now it's like, it's everybody. And now they've leaned so much into the talent of the athletes that the sport has become the entertainment. Yeah, it's true. It, you know, at some point it's almost to its detriment, but it's, it's generally a positive that everyone there can really work. Um, another AEW email, Jeffrey writes us, mail. What's up, Podfather and Snack Guy Greg? Really enjoy the interviews with McIntyre and Rush. Love that you didn't try to be overbearing and break a story. Just nice to hear a conversation with these guys. Let me start off by saying I hope AEW does well. It's good for business and there's a lot of dudes there who I'm a huge fan of. Um, with that being said, all out was, what's the word? Repug. Don't get me wrong. It had its moments. Jurassic Express is awesome, but the entire event felt lackluster. People may think this is crazy, but NXT UK blew them clean out the water. 
The matches in TakeOver Cardiff told stories. All Out was more of a spot fest. Now, I really enjoyed the Bucks Lucha Bros match, but it was choreographed spot after spot. Nothing drove me more insanely angry than the spots where one member from each team would just look at the other and then do the same move as the other brother. It was so stupid. The tag title match on TakeOver was awesome, storytelling at the most awesome level. Then NXT went on to put on a five-star match between Bate and Walter. Uh, meanwhile, I was just overall out. I didn't even bother watching the obvious ending of Jericho winning the AEW title. AEW has a long way before competing with NXT and WWE, especially with Triple H coming out and saying Vince will have no hands on NXT on USA. Thanks and stay mage. Oh, and enjoy yourself, Jeffrey, in Atlanta. A nice burial of the AEW that didn't come from me, so now nobody can... You you appreciate that? I mean, I, I appreciate the realness. Like, if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. And it's just their, what was it, fourth show? They don't have weekly TV. I mean, there are things that they're going to need to work out, and they are going to work it out. I feel like as long as they're around and, and Tony Khan um, still has faith in it and doesn't get discouraged... They're gonna turn it around, but I, I do. I do. I, I just like the honesty of the spot fest. I mean, it looks cool, but does uh, spot fest make a great match? Well, you know, I just keep kind of waiting for them to move beyond that. And again, I can't comment on all, all out because I haven't watched it yet. But I really do feel that like that has been what's plagued their shows, and the shows have been good. But since the first, since all in. You know, I've felt that it's just too spotty. Um, uh, Dean writes m- us. M- 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 Peter asked you, some random thoughts for friends and friends of the shoot arrow. We need a name for the newly formed, instantly elevated tag team of Robert Root and Dolph Ziggler. And it's so obvious it'll go down in history as <laughs> Rudolph. <laughs> Assuming Rudolph's uh, sudden push leads to a magical Raw Tag Team Championship win over Seth and Braun, a.k.a. Brawlins, a.k.a. the monster among the man's man, <laughs> a.k.a. Strowman Reigns with Rollins, it'll be Christmas in September for the Red Brand Tag Team come Clash of Champions next weekend. He goes on to say, Rowan Reigns has to be the most phonetically fluid feud since the Strowman Reigns saga of 2018. Maybe one day we'll see Jesse Goddard's Robbie E. and DJ Z reunite from No Man's Land to to give us the three-on-one handicap match that nobody thought they wanted to see. Bromance Reigns. Oh my (laughs) gosh, this is a reach. I initially mistook The Fiend's new lantern as Al Snow's head, which made me take it a little less seriously, albeit reluctantly. Fiend Dipperstein equals Dipper Fiend. Now, I've said Dipper Fiend in Jew World Order because we got another email about that, but have I not called him Dipper Fiend on the show yet? I don't know if you have. Yeah, no. Well, you should. It definitely. Well, and Dipperstein has uh, uh, an affliction right now. Do you think I can say the affliction that he has right now? <laughs> is it is it shoot? It's a shoot. I couldn't tell, I couldn't tell if he was joking, so I didn't. I mean, if it's a shoot, I obviously want to wish him well, but I could. Let's, should we call him and ask if he's comfortable with this? Yeah. Let's see. Because this, this could be a HIPAA violation if we just put the, the medical business. <laughs> Let's see. I'm sure his I'm sure his assistant's still in. It's only 5.15 out there. Brian Dipperstein's off. 
Hey, is Brian there, please? Hey, Peter, let me see if I can get him one sec. Thank you. Mage that the assistant answered. But the assistant sound exactly like Dipperstein, too. I was like... It's very confusing. <laughs> I was like, why is he speaking in third person? That's Hollywood talk right there when you answer the phone in third person. Hey, Peter, wasn't able to grab Dip on his cell. I will have him call you back, okay? All right, thanks, man. Yo, yo, he can he just be Dip real quick? He sounds exactly Let's like Dip. Let's try Dipper Fiend on his cell phone. <laughs> see oh if he... God. I mean, he didn't answer, which means he's probably on a call. The man is constantly on a call. Everything's fine. I have one question. Yes. You're on the podcast right now. Oh, hey, okay. Hey, Dipper Fiend. Um, hey. I, wa- I wanted to know if the affliction you have is public information. Um, what affliction are you referring to? The physical affliction. See, it, was a, it was a work. No, no, no. It's a shoot. <laughs> it's a work. It's a shoot. Oh, 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 you're welcome to. You're welcome to reveal it to the world. I mean, it is what it is. Because everyone knows I'm, everyone knows I'm a stress that agent. Come on. I, I, cause I believe that you getting this affliction is what has made you officially Dipper Fiend. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the proof. It's like you turning into the fiend. This is how you've turned into the fiend. It's true. I can't deny it. All right. Go back to work. I'll, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it now. Stay <laughs> yeah. So guys, Dipperstein is so stressed out that he has somehow gotten shingles, which, you know, are like red sort of what, like abrasions or. Yeah, like a rash. It, he has turned, he's literally turning into Dipper Fiend. This <laughs> oh is, God. this is really scary and problematic. I can't believe this is a shoot. This is an absolute shoot. And not only that, Dipperstein said he injured himself. He said he tore an oblique or something trying to carry <laughs> rocks <laughs> from his basement that are going at Dipperland Ranch in the backyard. Oh I guess like, you know, God. like the long rocks like yeah. to lay down. He was trying to do the operation himself and he somehow tore an oblique. So he's got a serious injury as well as shingles. And this comes just a few months after Dipperstein injured his foot and was walking. What is happening over He there? was walking around with a full gimmick like walking boot and cane. Do you remember the episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry can't walk and he's walking around with the cane all crazy? Yeah. And he's on the golf course with the cane. <laughs> that was what Dipperstein looked like with this gimmick. Everywhere he went, he's wearing one perfect shoe and then a repug walking boot and he truly i thought it was a gimmick i did not think i mean he he had it for so long oh no it wasn't even a foot injury it was a toe injury he stubbed his toe and broke it and as a result was just dipper fiending all around the land um by the way what is happening over there currently it's thursday night and we are watching uh the u.s open before football comes on and serena williams has turned into the fiend serena williams she's destroying svitolina Six three three one. She's in full fiend mode right now. I mean, was anything else expected? No. This and look, she's helping. She's falling apart too. This. I'll tell you what. Right now, Serena is going to have so much pressure this weekend because she's never going to have an easier road to her twenty fourth final. So it, it, this will tie the record if she gets this one. Oh, look at this. I mean, she's fiend Serena right now. She's everywhere. Um, 
And it's almost not even fair. Everyone who's playing in the semis, the other three semifinalists have zero experience. This is absolutely hers. But this is, I mean, she looks 22 years old right there. She's, she's fiend Serena. She's absolutely all over the place. By the way. She made that look easy too. Can you imagine how big a run on top of the women's division Serena could have? Huge. I mean, can you imagine? Serena, from a physical standpoint, is basically more intimidating than every woman on the roster, including Ronda Rousey. Well, yeah, definitely Ronda Rousey. Just because we've seen Ronda Rousey hold some L's in in combat sports. Serena would whoop people. Do you think Serena can slam Nia Jax? That's a good question. That's a good question. Her and Nia would be a great feud. Unfortunately, though, Serena's character in real life, like her personality, I feel like it may lean towards bizarro Alicia Fox type tendencies. You think so? She's pretty. Serena's pretty. When she's very chill. Right. She seems very chill. Okay. But when she's like excited and spastic, she's a little awkward. Yes. Now, you just got to send her to promo class in the the off season, like uh, during the week. Just have her do TV, no house shows. Have you ever seen like videos of her dancing or anything? I have. Just like the lemonade when she was in the video with Beyonce. No, no, no. Like, like it, like social media videos. Nah. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, Serena is a freak. She has been doing this since she was a child. So I think she's socially a little stunted, you know, from being having an abnormal childhood. That, like you can't be that sort of makes sense. Yeah. You can't be a, a, a phenom and, and have been doing this since you were like 12 years old. Because who, who are your friends when you spend all your time on the tennis court is like, no, just your sister, which again is already a social weird. And then thing. like the older dudes that you and women that you're, yeah, like with. random 50, you know, like Chris Everett when you're like 15 years old. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I don't know if Serena will get a run, but it would be major. Um, all right, SGG, there's still a lot we haven't gotten to. We haven't discussed Ric Flair feuding with the WWE. Yeah, tell me about this. Phrase, I just saw it in our group chat. I didn't know what it was. The man. So Ric Flair spoke to TMZ and informed them that he was basically very unhappy with WWE using the man for Becky Lynch. He said he doesn't mind them using it. He Becky Lynch can use it all day long. He just wants to get paid for it. And with all due respect, nothing but love and respect for the Nature Boy and everything he's done for me, uh, providing entertainment, this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it is a bit of a reach. This is this is ridiculous. Well, and, and you know, you know how you know it's ridiculous because no one I know has ever once thought about Ric Flair when thinking about Becky Lynch being called the man. I did in the beginning. Oh, you did. I did, but but it was because she was feuding with Charlotte, so like it all made sense. But um, but yeah, no, the man is such a generic trademark. They. I would I would be shocked and appalled if the United States government first of all he doesn't even have the trademark to the man he has the trademark to the phrase to be the man and wait he he has the trademark to be the man you have to beat the man no just to be the man he has that trademark wow that's pretty this good. is according to him but the but the issue is that trademarks a are very specific and b they're very specific and what I mean by that in two ways is a 
they apply to different classes and categories. So let's say he has to be the man trademarked for a certain use. It doesn't apply to every use of that phrase everywhere. It's just in those specific categories. And B, it's specific in that he has the phrase to be the man trademarked. So it's that phrase, those words in that order. So not just part of it. So like he can't suddenly go after uh, Shakespeare and people who use those plays for to be or not to be because he has to be the man. <laughs> it's just it doesn't work like that. This is very well said. I'm enjoying this. So I would be shocked and appalled if they say that WWE owes Ric Flair even one red cent because he has the trademark. It just seems like a weird uh, sword to fall on with his relationship with WWE. Yeah. You know, your daughter is a huge star. Uh, you get paid. Rick gets paid by them yearly. You know, you're making they money. Bring him in for everything. He's in every video game. Legends contract. Legends I mean, when I, money when I interviewed him for Complex at the jewelry store, you know, he's doing that because he's being paid by 2K. Like, there is always a check coming mm-hmm. Rick's way. So, yeah. I recently said to someone, we were talking about the movie, someone brought up the movie The Wrestler. And I was the saying, Rourke? yeah, the Mickey Rourke vehicle. And I was saying that I really loved the movie. You know, the only problem with it was that it, it, it misappropriated the level at which the person who ended up the character Randy the Ram, the place he ends up is a real place wrestlers end up. But it's never happened with someone who is as high up as Randy the Ram was in the movie. True. And True indeed. The person who that would have been, I said, would have been Ric Flair. And yet he was so successful that in spite of all the endless mistakes, he's still doing fine. Yeah. You know, like he's still yeah. got money and he's blown it a million times over. Cause it, it's like who, I forget who said it, it might have been Cody Rhodes attributing it to his father, Dusty Rhodes, just like spend money, make more. That's it. That's just how they live. And he's been fine. Anyways, that was a, an aside about, uh, Randy the Ram and Ric Flair. But you brought up a good point though. Uh, favorite wrestling movies. Have we talked about this ever on the pod? I know I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. Have we talked about this? At no, all? and and I get frustrated having the conversation because there was a period when I was really digging around and I found a couple of movies that I had never heard of previously that I found on the internet. Like what? There's one about um women's wrestling that I really liked from the 70s or 80s and then um a, a movie about a TV movie about territory wrestling. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. Let's see if I can find. I don't think I've heard well, of what's either your, of these. What's your favorite wrestling movie? And also, this comes on the heels of news in the last couple of weeks. Did you hear that show That show Heels has been greenlit? I did hear about that. Um, so there is a wrestling show called Heels, which sounds It's going to okay. be on Stars, right? Is that Stephen Amell, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Um... No, this is not. This is including all movies about wrestling, including Mr. Nanny and No Holds Barred. No, that's how are those? Those are movies with wrestlers in it. I'm talking about like no, no, like Body Slam. You remember Body Slam? So, so Body Slam is one of them. 
Body Slam, I think, is my all-time favorite. Um, yeah, some of these movies, I'm seeing, I'm looking at these lists about wrestling movies, and then they include movies about real wrestling. No, I don't care about that Channing Tatum joint that came out of Yeah, I, I don't. No, I'm talking about pro. Body Slams from 87. Roddy Piper, of course. Yep. Um, Grunt, the wrestling movie from 1985. Never heard of that one. No, me neither. Oh, gosh, I really want to find. I really hope I can find. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. So while we're talking about Body Slam, you want to hear something crazy? Yeah, sure. So Tonga Kid, did you know that he is Rikishi's twin? I did not know that. And uh, he also has a set of twin boys. Isn't that crazy? That is very crazy. Almost hard to believe. Yo, dig around that Anoa'i Anoa'i family tree is like, it's crazy. But yeah, Body Slam is a great movie. Ric Flair cameo in Body Slam too. He did? Yeah, at the end of the main event match. I I don't know. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's uh, who hasn't seen it. But they throw to some wrestlers in the audience, and Ric Flair is one of the wrestlers in the in the audience. I just can't believe people. One of the worst things is when you talk to people. You know, the conversations Dip and I do, or or pretend conversations about wrestling. (laughs) One of the parts I always leave out of that is that people go, professional wrestling? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm into watching high school kids in singlets, you weirdo. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, no. I go, to, I go to kids amateur wrestling. Oh, here's one. The women's one. Below the belt. 1980. Um, and Mildred Burke is in the movie. Really? Yes. Below the belt. Mildred Burke, Annie McGreevy. It's out there. You can find that below the belt. So that's one of them. And then let's remember this. Oh, there's a, there's a Wikipedia page of like legit wrestling movies or is this just... No. Um Although it's funny. There's a there's a women's wrestling section of the category in Wikipedia and it doesn't include the movie we just found. Um, I want to follow the belt even predates glow. You said 1980, right? Yeah. Yep. It's about women in the territory days. Um, but then there's another one too, I believe. And I, I mean, glow like the actual promotion from the eighties, obviously not the Netflix show. That's, that's a very good show as well. Excellent. Um, anyways, we have really gone all over the place in this first 32 minutes of the shoot arrow of cheap heat, a Matt Hardy interview out of nowhere where we talked about Edge, rambling on about wrestling movies, Dipperstein shingles, <laughs> Dipper Fiend, Dipper Dipper Fiend becoming Dipperstein becoming Dipper Fiend, um, Serena Williams in WWE, the AEW Championship belt being lost, <laughs> the AEW Championship World Tour, yeah, and the worldwide investigation, um. And by the way, we are just closing in. I mean, it's already early September, guys. We are a month away from SmackDown to Fox and from AEW to TNT. It is right around the corner. Also, two weeks you, away from NXT. And two weeks away USA. from NXT on USA. Now, you also haven't mentioned um, anything about uh, CM Punk at StarCast. Did he say anything interesting? I I was not paying attention to it at all, quite honestly. But you would have seen if there was big news from it, no? 
yeah so in that regard no he didn't say anything interesting the big thing that people are mentioning and like crediting him with as if it was some mind-blowing idea was just the the fact that he stated at starcast that as fans we don't have to choose between wwe and aew we can watch it all and it's like people treated that like a headline all this yeah and all the sensible fans have been saying that that you we don't have to choose yeah i don't think that's a that's not a mind-blowing bit of information and then another headline was uh regarding cm punk was what he didn't do he didn't show up at all out um but yeah he he also said that he was not going to show up at all out but you know, whatever. What were your thoughts on Chad Gable getting the win over Andrade? I was I was appalled. I was I was flabbergasted. I I I felt personally insulted. You know, Andrade was my pick for King of the Ring. That's right. So with Chad Gable with with Chad Gable getting that win, I am official like my bracket was officially done. It wasn't it wasn't it was holding on by a thread up until that point, but when Chad Gable got the win, he he put my king. He 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 dethroned my king. Here's the problem. I mean, I guess Chad Gable winning the whole thing would be interesting, but like it, it, that would be a waste. It's not needed, honestly. Him just going on a run basically does what you need it to do, right? Now, okay, we're supposed to take Chad Gable seriously. And and then on the other side, the semifinals are a triple threat match. Yeah, which also did wonders for my bracket because who was going to pick that? Yeah, so you have what it's Samoa Joe, Ricochet, Baron Corbin? Yes. And like the worry here is just that it's Baron Corbin advancing to the finals. And then and then who does Chad Gable have? I believe he has Elias. He does. So think about how much potential there is for stuff that's not particularly exciting. I mean, the SmackDown winner is going to be Chad Gable or Elias. Yeah. I mean, it has to be Chad Gable if they want to tell any kind of story. And when you think about it, too, Chad Gable is the only person who they have been telling any kind of story with during this whole tournament. It was a it was a flimsy story, but everybody attacking him for being short. Even the woman who was shorter than him attacked him for being short yes yes um yeah you're right it is the only story and it started out flimsy there's a little more to it now like now he really is like it it is an underdog story and they did a good job selling how crazy it is that he won like they did they did make it feel impactful and he kind of stole the win you know it was done the way it should be done but i'm trying to think of a situation now i mean from a match standpoint the best match you can get in the final would be Chad Gable and Ricochet. Yes. I mean, Gable, Gable Samoa Joe could be good, too. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking, Gable and Samoa Joe. Like wrestling, these guys just mm-hmm. getting down and dirty. Baron so, Corbin could quietly put up a good match with Gable, too, though. Like he, Well, Baron Corbin is is quietly a better wrestler than I think he gets credit for. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, 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 first of all, I, I'm going to say it right now. End of days might be the best finish going right now in the men's division. It's certainly beautiful. It looks great. End of days is great. I mean, I know it's hard for some of you to deal with. Everyone hates Baron Corbin. And what's the other one he has? Was it Deep Six, if I'm not mistaken? What's, the what's one that he's one? He like spins them around and then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He does, he's, he's an, he's actually a kind of interesting wrestler. I know the character is not ideal. By the way, have they taken him out of the, uh, have they taken him out of the, um, like, like restaurant outfit? They have. So now he just has like a, like a, a tank top. Yeah, it's just like a tank top or something now, right? Yeah. He's no longer looks like a Mater D. <laughs> right. Um, so, okay, let's reassess though. At this point, what do you think, who do you think the winner will be? At this point, I am, I feel like the finals were going to get Ricochet and Elias, which sounds absurd. But I, I don't see them throwing Ricochet into a triple threat match to have him lose. Don't you think it's a great way, though, to have neither Ricochet or Joe take a loss? It was what? To- because it could get stolen by Baron Corbin. They sort of end up canceling each other out, and Baron Corbin steals the win somehow. Yeah. But I mean, as the, I think, I think we're looking at King Corbin, guys. As the lone babyface, I think we're looking at King Corbin too. But I mean, as the lone babyface, you would have to think that they would want to get Ricochet out of it. Otherwise, I, I think it's. I think it's. Otherwise, you don't need to bring Samoa Joe along for this ride. Just have him beat Joe, and then that's true. I think it's King Corbin. I think it's King Corbin over Chad Gable in the final. And don't you think? I sort of wish they were just doing all of it on Monday. Just wrapping up the whole King of the Ring? Yeah, at the Garden. Or Tuesday. You know, and, and you have both someone's, to win, you have to win two matches in one night. Yeah, but they made such a big deal out of, this is the SmackDown side and this is the Raw side. So, so are they going like, to put the, they're putting the final on the pay-per-view? Yeah. Got it. Not its own King of the Ring pay-per-view. Which just a match been, on Clash of Champions. And that's the other problem with King of the Ring, like, they did this one year and they never did it again and it was the best thing they could have done for the King of the Ring was they gave it stakes. You win the King of the Ring, you get a championship opportunity at SummerSlam. That's it. Brock Lesnar won and now he's like legend to this day. That made him that King of the Ring. Give it some stakes. You win, you get the championship on your show. You got a SmackDown side, you got a Raw side. If you win, you get a shot at the top title on your show. That's it. That's all you have to do. It does it end up feeling then a little money in the bankish? No, because money in the bank looms over it the whole year. This so is like, just a set match. Yeah, you get you get your match at this show. And that's it. And then money in the bank, they can, you could break that glass whenever you need it. You can break it at Survivor Series, uh Raw Rumble, and one of the random pay per views, you can hold it to Mania. Maybe what about no? I don't. It's not a high enough stake. I was gonna say makes you become automatic captain of your of your brand Survivor Series team, but that's not enough of a stake. Nah. If they even do like the show versus show thing. What about the King of the Ring as the number thirty entrant in the Royal Rumble? Now see. That I could get into. How did they, didn't they give that away last year? Didn't someone get? Yeah, it was the mixed match challenge winners, right? Didn't they choose? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would rather Even have. Even that it. they gave stakes and then King of the Ring is just and like that, a title? Well, come on, man. That was on Facebook Watch. That's the big times right there. That's Facebook Watch. Actually, I, I cannot disrespect the major network like that. I can't believe I did that. We have not mentioned the Bailey heel turn. Mm. What were your thoughts on that? Love it. Think it's a good way to go for, with Bailey. I do. I'm going to continue to watch and see how it progresses and develops. 
but I think the way it was executed was uh, was just perfect. By the way, for anyone who thinks uh, that no one needs preseason, I dare you to be entertained by the first ten minutes of this football game <laughs> with two quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason at all, and you can literally see it on every single possession. Um, I, I, I like I like the Bailey thing. I thought the the turn was cool. Um, yeah, let's see how it plays out now. Because now it's pretty interesting. You now have them as a heel pair, mm-hmm. Bliss Cross. Yep. As a heel pair, um, how this all ends up playing out. And of course, will this eventually lead to us finally seeing the payoff between Bailey and Sasha Banks? Or is this going to be like the Daniel Bryan Miz story that just never gets the completion that you hope it's going to get? The Daniel Bryan Miz story, I feel like they're trying to extend it as long as they can. I mean, now it doesn't. By the way, though, that's. They're on different shows now, though. But you know, that story cannot end. That story cannot end with Daniel Bryan as the heel. It It, can't. It shouldn't. It just would never be what it should be. It has to be the other way. Um, Speaking of which, what's going to happen now as Rowan has now turned on Daniel Bryan? Is that real? I mean, uh, it better be put him through a table by his feet. He grabbed him by the face and then used his face to go through the table. It was a pretty cool spot. Has to be real. Um, yeah, so you think Rowan is actually getting a real, a big push here. That's what we're looking at. A Rowan push. A match with Roman Reigns at a pay-per-view. And he turns on Daniel Bryan. I mean, he's needed it for so long. Um, I mean, of course I'm using the word turned on very loosely. He did get slapped in the face many times. Yeah. Two weeks in a row. Right. I guess you could call it a receipt. Yeah, it's probably fair. Um, well, I'll tell you what. There are at least a handful of interesting things going on right now. Right? How do you feel about Nakamura and uh, Sami Zayn, that pairing? You know, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at the idea of Sami Zayn doing the talking while Shinsuke does the walking. About time Shinsuke gets someone with him to talk. You think he needed it? Yeah. I mean, he can't talk himself. Yes, he can, man. Can really? Is yes. it, is, is it really effective? It you, didn't, first of all, it didn't need to be. He didn't need to do any talking. How many people are really over who don't talk at all? And have no one to talk for them? Alistair Black in NXT. Okay. On, on the main roster. Well, they don't do it on the main roster because they don't realize that they don't have to. Listen, Shinsuke, had they continued to book him the way he was booked originally? Yes, I completely agree. When he was just over and on fire and all he needed was the music and the Kinshasa, I agree with you. But that's over now. And the, pro- the problem that Shinsuke ran into, which is not really his problem also, is that WWE runs mostly in these like flyover state cities with these people who don't interact with uh, people who are not white. And so they confuse his accent for bad English. No, but he does uh, accent or no accent. He's not a good talker. I disagree. What do you name the moment? Name the moment when Shinsuke talked well and you were like, oh, wow, that's compelling. Have you spoken to him? You've spoken to him. You know, he can talk. Yeah, but on television, he's had a microphone in his hand before. This is this is this is the most Greggy 
take I've ever heard that Shinsuke is a great talker. No, he's, he's that my take is or that, even serviceable. My take is that his English is not bad. Well, as 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 bad as people are taking it for him to be in but, desperate need of a mouthpiece. Yeah, but you're you're making it. So you're you're you're. Um, this is a thing that is being said. So I'm not. I'm yeah, just, but 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 see, that's you. That, that's you now being reactionary to idiots. I I don't care about anyone thinking he can't speak English. And I, I don't think WWE is did that for this reason either. I'll say that. I don't think that they think that his English is terrible. But but for the record, you're aware English is not his first language. The man spent four, 35 years in Japan. He has a grasp of English, though. That's what I'm trying a to say. A grasp of English is not... He's he, not... Listen, he's If not, you sent Chris Jericho to, to Mexico, if you went back to Mexico for a run, I don't think the, the advantage for him would be trying to speak Spanish week after week. They, like, I don't think that would be a good idea. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Is it in, I guess I'm, I'm confused. Is so it? Well, in, maybe that's part of the problem too, is that they tried to have him speak English at all. Like, just let him speak Japanese, especially with him being a heel. Just let him speak Japanese. It sounds more intimidating. Nobody knows what the I, hell he's I saying. totally agree with you, but that goes against your argument because you're also arguing he has a great grasp of the English language. He does have a great grasp of the English language. We've, we've both spoken to him. We know this to be true. Uh, in my personal conversations with him, I've never spoken enough to him to tell you what level his um, English is at. I just don't know enough. I'm not saying you had to give him a damn English test, but I'm just saying like, like – I, 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 I'll put it this way. In my limited conversations with him, I never walked away being like, yo, hand this man a microphone, let him start cutting promos. <laughs> but I, that, I also right? didn't, I also didn't walk away being like, oh, this guy can't even get around. Like, I know he's okay, fine. Right. Thank but, you. but at the same time, I don't think we need to look at it as, um, I, listen, I don't read the comments, so I'm sure things are said. And the what chants do not help. Like, when you're chanting what at a person when you know that English is not their no, first language. No, that doesn't help. But, I'm not reading the comments, so I'm sure if I read obnoxious, xenophobic stuff, it would probably shape my view also. But if someone was to say objectively, hey, you know, I don't know that Shinsuke's English is good enough to allow him to put a lot of emotion into his promos because he has to think too much about what he's saying. I think there's a way to say that that's not offensive. Like right. and Japanese to English is a the, not, the way you go just listen said to me it. in Japan. I don't do well. The way you just said it is the way you say it. That is not offensive. Well, exactly. So I, I can only view it like that. I'm not. I don't read the tweets well, of like people. Shins- like Shinsuke has bad English and needs somebody to speak for him because he's falling apart when you put him. Like it's harsh. No, that's harsh. I, I would just and say not accurate. I would just say I don't think someone who English is their second language. Is clearly their distant second language. Um, <laughs> why? 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 You... <laughs> well, no, no. Meaning, like, it's not like you're talking about someone who's um. You're not talking about Rey Mysterio, okay? okay. <laughs> who who is probably uh, I'm English first, but then speaks Spanish perfectly, or vice versa. I don't. Right. Ray, I, Ray's born in San Diego, right? I Ray born so. in San Diego. Yeah. Either way, you know he speaks Spanish perfectly, and he speaks English perfectly. You're talking about someone who spent 30-some years in one place doing some traveling, but really that's where they're from. I don't know that that person, you need to go to a market where they're not from and be like, boom, go. Which I, is what they did to him. I just don't know that that's the, the best. I, I don't think it's wrong to say, no, let's put, let's put a, let's give you a manager. I, I don't have a problem with that. Bro, 
As far as I know, Sasha Banks only speaks English, and she needs a manager. <laughs> oh my god! And 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 I know that's going to be seen as some a, a huge diss. I love Sasha. I think she's one of the best in ring talents in the in the division in the company. But on Mike, she's doing better now. They're keeping it short and sweet. What it comes down to, though, is like for both of them, for Sasha and Shinsuke, I think there is a general lack of confidence with the microphone in your hand. Yes, and but but. People have translated that, at least in Shinsuke's case, to can't speak. Right. That's fair. Confidence is so big, though, when it comes like Mm -hmm. like Sasha is a character, you know, like she's a heat magnet in the locker room. She's a heat magnet. You know, she's an energy magnet in the in the arena. And then when she grabs the mic, there's a certain level of confidence that goes away. Um and I do agree that is a huge factor to being successful on the microphone. There are some people who go on the microphone, good on the microphone, not even because of what they say, but because of their confidence. You know, like Aaron Corbin. Yeah, like and and well, some people don't think Corbin's good either on the mic. Um, Corbin is so condescending and like disrespectful. Like, yeah, I think he's, he's not going to give you a, a like a Ric Flair level memorable. Well, you know, promo. you know, what I was going to use for the example of confident on the mic, and it's not because like you remember them saying such epic things. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Daniel Bryan doesn't say, with the exception of his retirement, the really emotional moments about his father and his wife and things like that, with the exception of those real life moments, Daniel Bryan is an incredible promo and it's really because he is clear and confident every time he talks. You know, it's like, it's like what they say about in wrestling to, you know, you think you should be slower, slow down even more. It's the same with cutting a promo. You have to be slow and deliberate. And make the points the way you're going to make them. And that's what makes Daniel Bryan so good. It's not that he says the illest stuff ever. He's just <laughs> a great talker. I cut, and like, like you said. And Roman. Roman's a clear talker, but he's not a great promo because the confidence isn't quite there. Yeah. It's a little bit – he's a little bit iffy, and then he makes the mistakes. You know, every once in a while, if you go look up Roman's flubs on the mic, and he it, has a share of them. It's It's highlighted even more, too, because – People are waiting for Roman to make a mistake. Of course. In the ring, on the mic. People are just waiting. You know, it's one of the things that makes, uh, it's one of the things that makes KO a great, you know, uh, promo is his confidence. English is his second language too. Yeah. KO. True. But in a place that's bilingual. But so, hold on. He was in Quebec though. So like, you can be. Yeah, no, no. You can live your whole life speaking French. Yeah. That's for sure. But you're going to be. He made it to like 15, no English. That's, well, that, by the way, that's very impressive. When you hear him now, the guy barely has a Canadian accent. I mean. He, he corrects people's grammar, like English grammar online. Right. Like if you come out of. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Well, he's a very smart man. Obnoxious at times, but very smart. Um, SUG, do you have, uh, something called Black Power Rankings? Oh, you know, I do, P. I mean. You're back. Uh, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. I'm blacker than black, blacker than black, black, I'm blacker than black, yo, because I'm black, and I'm black. In at number three, I'm going to give it to the Street Profits. Okay. You still enjoying the Street Profits? I am uh, still enjoying promoing? the Street Profits. Uh, I love them on Raw. I love the role that they're in, but they're getting this one. For that NXT Tag Team Championship match that they had against the Undisputed Era. Um, they lost the tag team titles. Mm. It's unfortunate. Well, but probably because they're going to be, I'm guessing, on... Onward and upward. Yeah, that's my guess. 
But I mean, if you had to lose it, you want to lose it in a match like the one they had. Well, and, the and, and to the undisputed era, right? You know, Kyle O'Reilly, three-time NXT champ, tag team champion. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly has won the tag team titles with each member of the undisputed era, which is kind of crazy. That is pretty cool. He defended it. He defended it with Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and uh, Roderick Strong. So if you got to go down, it's still it's got to be to a tag team specialist like. Kyle O'Reilly, they're coming in at number three. In at number two, Cedric Alexander, who, you know, we talk about Ricochet, but Cedric was also on a nice run. Oh, yeah. In this King of the Ring tournament. And, you know, he's been on a great run in general. Just because he, just because he's out of there, we're not going to act like it wasn't the age of Alexander during this King of the Ring tournament. And I know people seriously thought that we could see him. Uh, with the crown on his head. It, it wasn't to be, but he's going to come in at number two nonetheless. And in at number one, the man you predicted to to win the King of the Ring. Oh, no, you didn't. You said King Corman, didn't you? No, well, now I did. Yeah. yeah. So Ricochet, he's coming in at okay, number boom. one. He, again, just like Cedric Alexander, she's been trusted to deliver these excellent matches time and time again, and he has, he has his opportunity to become the king of the ring still alive so i'm looking forward to seeing him tear it up at the garden i won't be there i'll be watching from home but he's still gonna he's still gonna do his thing and hopefully hopefully fingers crossed on his way to the finals representing monday night raw and the king of the ring well you know samoa joe is my guy so you know now i'm but i, I love ricochet i'd be fine with that too but like i said I'm, I'm seeing king corbin in the future on the raw side there's no bad picks no they all make the sense ring. they all make sense um uh, if you guys see me at the garden on Monday, I don't know if I'm going Tuesday, but I'll definitely be there Monday. If you see me, say hello. Rosenbergbeats at gmail.com. Shout out to our guest, um, our, our, our buddy Matt Hardy and uh, all of you in the cheap heat universe. And before we go, I want to plug one more thing too. Sure. You know, I was, I, I enjoyed our review of the Popeye's chicken sandwich so much. Yes. That, um, I opened an account. On Twitter and Instagram, at Snack Guy Greg. No, you didn't. I did at Snack Guy Greg on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, there's also a email account oh, and an email address. Snack Guy Greg at Gmail dot com. I, I would like to start doing more food related content. So, so, so with the guy who wrote Snack Guy Greg, he knew. He knew. Yeah, he was an he early. He's an early uh, supporter of Snack. Exactly. Guy. So you know, at Snack Guy Greg on Twitter. Instagram. You're just hoping this leads you to being getting free food because you're physically snack, cheap. Snack guy, Greg. <laughs> Listen, I'm doing it for the love of food. The love of food, yes. Snack guy, Greg at gmail.com. Send in your snack gestions. Uh, I'll be reviewing everything. Wow, I'm sure that your fiance is going to be thrilled with this plan. We'll see how this plays out as <laughs> the, months, the months and years roll on. Now, I, I, I shout out to Wendy's who came by ESPN today. I had their um. I had their bacon jalapeno chicken sandwich. Oh, is how how you know, well, let's save it for Snack Guy Greg. Let's save it for You want to you want to do a post on there instead. Let's save it for Snack Guy Greg. All right, right. I'll I'll give you a little a little review on there right, cuz it was whoo slapping. Perfect. Um all right. Well, this weekend Greg, do me a favor and um stay mage and try to enjoy yourself. Oh yeah. And take it easy, man.